Welcome to the Blau Journal podcast. This is Anthony Baer, the publisher of Blau Journal. Today we are at day two at ICSC Recon, the largest retail conference uh, in the U.S. There's over 30,000 attendees here. Uh, today my guest is Randy Stratton. She is a managing director at Newmark Knight Frank in the San Diego office. Correct. Randy, thanks yes. so much for sitting down to uh, chat with me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, I guess first let's talk a little bit about you, your background okay. a little bit, uh, and then your role at uh, Newmark Knight Frank. Yes, so I specialize in restaurant and retail representation throughout the state of California. I have clients I represent throughout the state. Uh, you know, my background before was in business development, which translates really well to brokerage since right. it's a relationship-based business. Right. And, uh, and it's exciting, you know, bringing new retail and new restaurants um, to, uh, to the state of California. Especially that's an exciting space right now. It is. Very exciting because you can't get it on, on the internet. You know, no. you can't get a haircut. You can't get no. a, you can't go out to dinner on the internet. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you're in the San Diego office, uh, but you said you obviously work mostly with, with restaurants and, and uh, on the retail side. You're geographic. You work uh, Southern California. You said also to, into Arizona. No, not into Arizona. Arizona. Okay. No, just, just throughout California. Oh, so just Northern California. California all the way to the Southern California border. Okay. And, you know, it's been very interesting because uh, with the Phoenix Salon Suites concepts, concept, you know, they were uh, based out of Colorado Springs, had a few locations there, corporate locations, and then actually the franchisor has now moved to San Diego. Wow. Uh, we've done 85 transactions in California. They have 300 locations nationwide without any failures. So if you're not familiar with the, with the Salon Suites concept, they basically, it's kind of like a WeWorks, but with stylists and salon professionals. So the franchisee will lease a, you know, between five and 10,000 square feet, and then it's demised into individual suites because, you know, the stylists love having their own space after they've, you know, gotten their whole book of business going, so to speak. They're seasoned stylists and salon professionals. They want to have their own space, but they don't want to have to deal with the landlords and right. all that. They're creative people, not right. business people. Right. So. They, a lot of them try to, you know, manage their own salon. Co-working for so long. That's, yeah, that's and so uh, so it's been received very well, you know, because yeah. we're going to bring recession or not. I'm getting my hair done right. Right. And so we're right. Bringing, that's what I hear. I, I, yeah. Every time I walk down the streets in my yeah. neighborhood, those nail salons are packed. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be in that business. Yeah. So the, we bring, you know, between five and eight thousand women every four to six weeks to a shopping yeah. center. So we're, we're a real added value, and a lot of the REITs, the large REITs you know, see that progress now. So we have, you know, deals that we've done, over 30 transactions with Kimco, DDR, you know, all of those big REITs. Um, we have done a lot, of, multiple, multiple deals with since they see the added value. And then, uh, and then I have a lot of restaurants on the restaurant side, Islands Restaurant, which, you know, they yeah. have uh, 60 locations and um, they have no debt, which not many restaurants can say right, that because right. they're very conservative a, with their numbers. Not a lot of anybody can say that. Yeah, and so I really respect that, that, you know, they don't, they take it very seriously. They're not just going to go and do 10 locations in a year. Right. They're probably going to do the most growth. like two to three and they make sure their numbers work because they're, uh, you know, private investors have received a check every quarter right. since 1986 when right. they started, right. you know, and so that's a good Yeah, record. I think that's interesting. I think I was at Marcus Millichap's retail uh, event yesterday listening about trends. And you know, yeah. it, was, it was you know, kind of interesting to, to hear that, you know, 
the transformation of what's going on, uh, you know, with all the different uh, marketplaces and how restaurants are now in favor and, and gyms are in favor for these landlords. Yes. Um, and, you know, even looking at uh, landlords considering shorter term leases for concepts to prove themselves, you know, almost, you know, like kind of an incubator style, which I think is great. Right. Um, you know, to, to kind of really mix up where we've been in the last 20, 30 years of traditional retail. Well, and you see companies like Related Companies, they yeah. partnership actually with the restaurants that they put right. into their, lo- right. into their centers. Right, which makes sense. It yeah. really does, because then you're both in the game together. Yeah, no, I think that's how, how it has to has, has to be. But uh, you bringing up this point with salons, with the, with the co-working, I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, I know some, some girls that have, are in the salon business or cut hair and you just kind of lease your seat and, you know, go in there, but yeah. eventually you get enough clients or you have a business and then you kind of try to run a business plus cut hair. And yeah. It's hard, right, to do all that. So if yeah. you could plug into a thing that everything's kind of taken with the facilities, you've got your spot, you can go in there and do what you do, uh, and maybe you can scale, you know, where you can add a couple other, you know, people, you know, like a co-working space would, you can scale your office a little bit bigger. Maybe. Right. I don't know if that's the case or where you know, they can it, add a, another is. person. That is, we have a know, lot. At, we actually, in a couple of locations, we've had full salons come, everybody come over, and some of them, you know, three, up to three usually, typically right. two or three want to be together. So we, we, we build it out so that you, if they were to eventually leave at some point, we can just plug in a wall there. It's um, very, you know, transparent with that. And um, some of them, yeah, we have three, sometimes four, that want to be in the same space together, which right. is fine. We can accommodate that as well. Let's talk on the brokerage side about the structuring of leases with restaurants. And, yeah. and what is the model? I come from the tenant rep side as well, but on, uh-huh. on um, an office. Um, are a lot of them tying it to percentage of sales as well, or what is the new model now? I mean, because do they want to have some skin in the game with the companies or the restaurants that they're right. with? Right. Kind of have a partnership instead of just a flat, you know, lease rate. Talk maybe a little bit yeah. about the actual deal structure. Well, what the, the, looks the, like. t- the typical deal structure for a restaurant, um, any restaurant basically, uh, is going to have unless. Well, I do have to say, unless it's a mixed-use development, mm-hmm. because a lot of those are apartment builders, and they're not really in the retail world, right. so to speak, and restaurant world. You know, you have to consult a lot with them. They don't know anything about venting or grease interceptors, the you know, amps, everything that goes along with You're running a restaurant. You're getting technical on me right now. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, so they um, they need some help with that. So they don't really understand, you know, for them it's not a big deal. It's more of an amenity for, for their building than it is, you know, wanting percentage rent. But, yes, any go into any of the mall operators, shopping centers, as a restaurant you're going to pay especially for your visibility you're going to pay a lot more rent to be on a pad building as opposed to being in an inline space but you still are going to be paying a percentage rent typically about six percent is 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 what it is annually what are the in-demand brands you see outside of the ones you mentioned on the restaurant space that you know you are looking or or your clients are looking they want to have in their buildings well uh, i'm going to tell you boy the asian concepts in california are really on fire um, Give some examples. Even, even, um, even your your um, chain restaurants, even down to like Panda Express. Yeah. You know, they're doing a, a killer business yeah. in a lot of shopping centers. Yeah. Their per square foot sales have really yeah. increased. Uh, and then, you know, but really, you know, the the ramen. I have a, a group out of um, Japan. Okay. And we have. They're so authentic. They tasted at least thirty different. Uh, broths before they specifically made their own broth and um, 
they have done a location downtown San Diego, and now they're just getting ready to open in Carlsbad. It's shops in Carlsbad. So it's ramen and sake, and then they have some sushi as well. And she is actually a sake master. Wow. So she's very much like a sommelier, but with sake. Yeah. And so there's actually over 2,000 sake breweries in Japan. Uh, so she, yeah, every month, big. does, you know, a sake tasting paired with either like oysters or chocolate, right. something like that. Right makes it very interesting, makes their uh, their business model very Well, talk strong. to what's the really tagline and key word now these days is experiential, right? Yes. I mean, that's, you know, yes. what everyone's talking about. You know, it's probably getting overused already, but yeah. um, but that's what, you know, that I travel a lot for yeah. fun and for work. Yeah. And that's what travel really is. Yes. Outside of work, but even when it is it's work, it's educational. Yes. It's educational. You're learning on the go. You're meeting different people. You're yeah. trying different foods. You're learning different cultures. You're seeing different things. You're getting a little bit of a language. Yeah. And if you can take that to people who can't maybe hop on a plane or travel and bring that taste of Tokyo right. or Japan or sake or yes. beer garden Germany or you yeah. know, Italian pasta in a different way where you feel like you're in Tuscany having wine and you can bring that here yeah. and vice versa. We can bring it maybe American concepts over there. Then people can get a taste of that culture without necessarily have to go in there so that when they do go there one day, maybe yeah. they're familiarized. Like, okay, I, right. I, I know a little bit about sake and ramen yes. uh, because we have some great places and we do have some great places in that category here in California. We do. We have a lot and that, that's even growing even more. I mean, you know, ramen really is a comfort was that food. Was Mum, Mumafuko or Mama, Mama Fuko, Mama yes. Fuko. He yes. kind of like, yeah, really blew that open. He really start, did. Started that. Uh, Definitely. You know. But I think that that's the other thing that's important to talk about. If you take it from the startup world, right? Uh, startup world is very incubator, uh, entrepreneurial, start small. Um, now they have a lot of these incubators where they can go and they can, you know, kind of validate their model. And if they have to pivot, they can pivot. Traditionally, that normally didn't happen in the retail. It's like, you had an idea, you went to market, you raised money, you got on a lot of debt, right. and then you, you went to prove to see if customers liked it, yes. and then you failed. You know, what, eight out of 10 restaurants yes, fail probably in the first do. year or two? Yes, they do. And you see so many of them walking away after dropping a million, two, or more yes. into a place, and you want to cry. Yes. I want to cry when I, I know. see that, because I know, I know. There's, there's owners behind there that probably mortgaged their house. Yes. Because they had a love of Italian food. Right. And I think that's just a broken model. Yes. Um, I think now we have these food trucks where they can proof of concept mobily. Exactly people can right. taste that. And then they go, wow, people really like this. That's like the incubator going around catching people in their environments. Now they really like it. Now they say, great, well, we're going to get space, but we're not going to go out and get four or 5,000 square feet. We're going to open up a small, yes. you know, 1,500 square foot place and really drive sales. And then that's great. And then maybe we slowly add another franchise or another location or we decide to franchise. Yeah. So I think this is the model hopefully we're seeing now where restaurants have some form of incubation with hopefully landlords uh, allowing a percentage of their building to be maybe shorter term pop-up style. Yes. Come in and go. Hopefully they prove their concept. But if if they don't, maybe they only spend half a million instead of two million. Right. right. Exactly. But, you know, the difficulty in California really is the minimum wage yeah, increase right. is really affecting the um, occupancy costs for restaurants and they're having to change their models. That's yeah. just why you're going to see so many of the counter service and then they deliver the food to you. Even, you know, with they have a bar in there, same type of thing, you know, like the crack shacks of the world, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. You know, that's going to become more the norm because of this, the minimum wage, the high rents. And the low... That's a new term uh, called frictionless, which is basically don't interact with people, is what they should call it. Oh, gosh. No, it's funny. I brought this up in the other podcast I just did, because when I was at the Marcus Milichap event, they were saying, you know, uh, people are enjoying the friction. we got to make things frictionless. And the guy behind asked the lady he was with and says, uh, 
what does frictionless mean? Yeah. And she's like, well, making things easier. He's like, so basically not interacting with humans for a half an hour during your visit? <laughs> he started laughing. And I was like, there's actually really truth to that. Yeah. But I think, as I mentioned before, previous podcasts is, we don't want, we shouldn't remove people from the equation. No. We just maybe should remove them to a certain part of the equation yeah. where something else, maybe a computer can do that better yeah. and reallocate them to a, a place within that process that they're better suited towards developing yeah. a relationship with the consumer. Yeah. If I know that, you know, I can do the register quicker than they can behind there, maybe take that out. But if I really have questions and I really want to sit and have them, I don't want to talk to a computer. No, you don't. I want and to sit and yes. talk to someone who is knowledgeable. Exactly. And knows what they're talking. Right, so, for example, a, yes. at the restaurant, maybe they can make things more frictionless in terms of the order. But if I have questions about what your wine or sake is, right. I better hope that they yes. know. Yes. That that's where they then can maybe bring these people in who are specialists. Exactly right. Right? Yeah. And they don't, you know, a good point of yours is about the food trucks because they really do build their own clientele and that way they do not have to be at the main and main uh, and no. pay that high rent. They can actually go into an area that needs to be some re revitalized, yeah. right? Well, this is huge. Which is what I think a lot of these chefs should be doing yeah. more of. Right. Where there are some. Well, we need to do that. We need yeah. to. So what's happening, obviously, in a bigger macro level, obviously, is congregating in the urban areas. Yes. Affordable uh, housing is not even a crisis. It's an epidemic now. Yes. Um, people can't afford to mostly live in the urban areas. That's where a lot of the younger want to live. Um, and so I think we need to help refocus. So people are moving to other states, to different quality of life. I think we need to draw people to other areas yes. that maybe have, like Detroit was, blighted with, you know. Right. Um, the guy from Quicken Loans went in and has basically redone all of mm -hmm. Detroit and trying mm -hmm. to you know, stimulate that. But I think if you were a mall operator and you were in one of these 70s, 80s strip malls with, you know, a Sears and it's dying, maybe before you decide what to do, you take over the parking lot and you start having events there. Right. Mini festivals, food truck galore right. gathering there, 30 right. food trucks. So now people are right. going and then, you know, maybe some of those food trucks ultimately become tenants in your renovated now, you know, property. Right. Well, a perfect example is at um, Soco Collection yeah. in, in, in Costa Mesa. Yeah. You know, uh, Burnham USA did a fa fabulous he's done a great job. job. Burnham, he's, his office is right across from us. Yes. He's done a great job. De he's done a right. great job redoing that. And when Taco Maria is a perfect example. Wonderful. They were a food truck yeah. at their Saturday food truck thing, yeah. and then they actually yeah, built amazing. out that space for them. Yeah. I mean, they're a perfect example. No, and the next one's going to be is the old, uh, you know, by uh, IKEA, what they're going to do yeah. with the press. Right. Which would be interesting because Sadiji, yeah. the other developer of Lab, and is, is yeah. going in on that with the food court and yeah. and all of that. That'll be interesting, um, you know, as well for people in Orange County. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's what people want, you know, is that experience when they're eating on the restaurant side, um, or even like you said, sitting down at the nail salon. And so now a lot of right. the places are going a little bit step further when you go and maybe serve you a glass of wine or right. you know, really trying to. Keep make the full experience. Full experience, yeah. right. But I mean, another great example, too, is The Row, downtown L.A. Yeah. Who would have ever been going to that area, no. you know? And yeah. they're doing a fabulous job with, of course, bringing Tartine Bakery and yeah. then the Pizzeria Blanco from right. Arizona, right? And come doing a joint venture. Yeah. And then all of those uh, boutiques in there yeah. basically are from Instagram. Well, I'm a, I'm a big fan uh, of... Uh, mobile pop-up modular yeah uh, i travel a lot i've seen it uh you know i was very interested in shipping containers seven eight nine years ago when i saw uh -huh. them in europe they weren't quite trending here yet um 
did some research into that, and now obviously they're they're getting more popular as a yeah. as a great way for a temporary, even a permanent solution. Um, there's a great uh, example of that in London uh, in Shoreditch mm-hmm. uh, called um, um, Box. Uh, Box yard or box, uh, I forget what it's called. Anyways, it's about 70 shipping containers on a corner lot, um, and they couldn't really build on it because there it was it's so small and angular, yeah. and the the, the, tra- the train goes right there. Oh. So they put 70 shipping containers and turned it into each shipping container's retail and a different food vendor in there with open space in between with beer gardens. Very creative. And it's amazing. It's packed all yeah. the time. You Very go creative. there and you can go there on a Sunday and they do open mics for uh-huh. music and poem poetic stuff you can have different drinks and it's like before that happened that was just a very angular unused piece of property next to a main transportation train thing yeah and yeah you really know they're developing See, going there exactly today. so it, it really just takes creativity yes it um, does and long-term thinking but also short-term you know sometimes we can just test out these examples mm-hmm. in these pop-up ways right and i think that ultimately that's the best because for people in retail and specifically in a restaurant I don't think the risk reward and the risk of failure should be as high as it is. I know. It's just too much. It it's, is. It's really, really too much. Yeah. You know? And it, so it almost makes sense to start very small, like I said, food truck to small store or you know, a small footprint if you can somehow yeah. you know, figure out and how to Yeah, and you don't work. have to be at the main and main if you've got that right. following. No, you really and don't. You don't pay you those know, rents. This is what's interesting, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, you don't have to pay those rents. If you there's, This is what I find a, a, amazing, right? You think about experience in festivals, right? Yeah. You have Coachella, Stagecoach. Right. I was just at Stagecoach a couple of weeks ago, first time. Yeah. Amazing experience. Friends of friends of the guys who started Golden Voice. And there is the middle of the desert. It's 100 degrees as it was there. Right. And there's over, what, 100,000 people over, you know, a weekend that goes to Coachella and maybe yeah. 70 or 80 that go to Stagecoach. They bring in over a billion five into that whole desert wow. economy over the yeah. course of the year over three events. That's if amazing. you would have said same thing like Burning Man, that you could get a mini city for people to go to the middle of the desert yeah. for, for a week to be yeah. dirty and have to bring all their own stuff in, yeah. you would say it would never work. Right. You would Coachella almost didn't work the first two yeah. years. They were under. Yeah. It took them five, seven years to kind of go mm-hmm. into some investment. But my point with this is they always say location, location, location. Yeah. But in those circumstances, no. it was location, location, but a different location right. that was completely crazy of yeah. like, the old model, maybe if you build something, people will be willing to travel there. Right. But it has to be unique. It does. It has to right? be unique. So you don't necessarily have to be a restaurant, maybe, and pay those. You could be you could be a restaurant in a small little space, but if you have a great following online or you mm-hmm. have like, a great Instagram account right. with amazing food like some of these yeah. guys do, that people are willing to travel to where you're at because there's only one location. Maybe you create some inherent scarcity. Yeah. You're only open certain hours. Right. You only serve extreme this. Yes. And you have a line around the block right. and people drive 10 miles. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, in Dallas, I mean, over the bridge, in that blighted area that was industrial. I was just there. Ellum. Deep Ellum? When, where they have the limited time chef. The, they built out a restaurant. Well, they have a lot of restaurants okay. there. But they built out the restaurant. It's LT something. But they have a chef come for four months. Yeah. And he, they do their menus and right. they test it out, right. and then they actually might place them in a different restaurant. Yeah, um, it's a great, unique way for them to create a following without having a food truck. Right, I mean, too. you just bring in someone for four months and say yeah. you can only get this cuisine for four months, yes. seasonal, like some of the best restaurants yeah. do. Right, I mean, if you think about that, it's pretty ingenious. If yeah. you look at a retail model, yeah, that's why TJ Maxx does so well. Yeah, I mean, they have outperformed almost everybody, and even in the down market, they do yeah. great. Why? Because they're like, uh, you never know what you're going to get. Right. 
because right. their buyers buy stuff. They're, if you don't get it, it's the chances are you go back, it's yeah. never going to be there again. Right, ever-changing. And, um, and because of that model, you know, people want to go and grab those deals and find yeah. that little you know, great shirt that they got that right. somehow winded up there. Yeah. You know, they got a great deal on. But, you know, even on the reverse side, though, you look at the online retailers that now are doing brick and mortars, too. Right. Like Everlane. Yeah, let's talk. That's omni-channel, right? That yeah. That we're seeing, and that's yeah. becoming popular And then now. Away, the luggage, Away luggage, right. I saw thing. that. They, they actually were, were putting a hamster wheel in their store that you can test their shoes on and kind of jokingly yeah. go on the hamster wheel. Yeah. That I saw. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a few brands that, yeah. you know, it's instead of the the... The brick and mortar is going. Oh, I've got to do the online right. now. It's kind of even well, going it's the both. reverse. I, I think I'm a big fan of anything hybrid in life. Yeah, anything hybrid mix. Yeah, right. I think anything one thing you're setting yourself up for danger because if the market moves or, or mentality or sentiment changes, yes. you're stuck. So if you can have a little bit of both, like we're seeing, obviously online going to the real world, real world going to online. It really is a hybrid omni-channel model, as it should be, because yes. real estate is not going to go away. It's not going to go away. Um, but you have to now have a different reason as to why people want to get in their car or take an Uber and go right. out of their way to come to your yeah. place. Well, and then it has to be a certain experience. Here's some great stats for you. that 30% of uh, holiday gifts that are purchased online are returned. Yeah. And so that's going Huge. into big warehouses that they're having to create to can this go out back out for sale who knows but you're, you're creating a lot of trash which the millennials are not about that sure, right sure and then only eight percent of holiday gifts that are purchased in a brick and mortar store are returned and i'll guarantee you when you go and return that you're buying something else yeah right right so you, you have to really look at the online thing strongly as to you know what the return. Well, maybe that. that's what they should do: is yeah. say buy it online, and we'll reward you if you return it in, in store. store. Yes, we'll exactly. give you uh, something. So because they know yeah. if you reward them when they come in with like ten percent yeah. off, then you'll just go buy a different shirt. Yeah, so right. they'll still get your business. Yes, and actually there is I can't think of the name of it right now. There is a company where you can re make returns to certain locations because they don't have a brick and mortar, yeah. like to, to a coffee house. They'll right. take your returns. Right. You're going to come in, you're going to buy a coffee then. Yeah. You know, that kind yeah, of I thing. Yeah, I think that you that's how we have to look at it. I think everyone's so worried about, like, um, getting someone's business in a certain, you know, uh, linear way. And, you know, if you bring them into the mall, we were, I was talking yeah. about this in an earlier podcast, you would bring, let's say, co-working into the mall. Yeah. Right? Which they're doing. Right. Which they should. Yeah. Because if you think about it, and I brought up this in Europe, I spent time in Europe. Europe, where a lot of people, they work in the city, and this is city, you know, New York too, but, you know, in Europe I see it a lot is, you know, mixed use. They live, they work, close yes. by, they take transportation. And so their office is on the seventh floor, on the ground floor, and it's maybe a TJ Maxx. They go and buy one shirt that they need for the week, dress shirt. They walk right across the store and maybe grab some food uh, to take home or they yeah. eat there. Uh, and then they hop on transportation. So they got all their few basic things done for the day within, yeah. you know, the, the realm of work. And if we can now, let's say, include, you know, working in the mall, people could go there and work, you know, for a three-hour session, walk down to a Planet Fitness or an Equinox, maybe, let's say, would be in there, get a workout yeah. in, a two-minute showered, back, work a couple more hours, take a break, go get a coffee at the coffee shop, right. come back, work another three hours or two hours, um, go out for meet friends for dinner or drinks thereafter. They have now kept you in the mall the yeah. whole day and right. six places got your business right. and you got work done. You right. had your work day. Yes. And we know that most people work really best in small spurts anyways. Yes. Of statistically, I think they say, you know, 120, you know, 
100 to 120 minutes before really you should be just taking a 15, 20 minute break. Yeah. Of breaking your pattern. And that's, if it's too far to go, I got to go all the way down, right. way down the street, get my car to go get a coffee right. or I want to go get lunch. And But if you could just walk right out of the shopping area and go grab, you would well, have a much more, yeah, I think, enjoyable. So I think yeah. this, as we said, as mall operators, you look at creating, kind of as I said, you almost have to create a, a place to welcome anyone. Yes. With everything. Yeah. In a way. It's hard to almost, I look at being a specialist. It's great if you're really niche and you can charge a really high price and your scarcity, that works for a few. Yeah. But I think everyone's getting everyone's business these days. Yes. And you, everyone wants convenience. So like if I could park my car and I, I, I wouldn't go shopping in the mall on a Saturday all day long. Yeah. But if I had, was there for work. Right. It'd be different. Well, in uh, UT, Westfield's UTC Mall, yeah. the, the redevelopment of that right. is a perfect example. They're putting uh, apartments on site. Right. You have all that A-plus office right around there. You, they're putting co-working. Right. There's co-working right in line. I did the design within reach deal yeah. right next door. Co-working's going okay. into the to, uh, high end next to the you know furniture. Yeah. And then um, they have 24-hour uh, fitness is already there. Equinox is going into the Sears building. They have a lot of new restaurants there, and then and so you can. That's what I'm excited work. to see is uh, a, a retail multifamily element attached yeah. to, uh, to well, to the residential. Sorry, attached yeah. to the retail, uh, because the problem as we see now is you know traffic's getting worse everywhere, especially yes. in Southern California. Yes. And to go to the mall or go to work, and then I mean, just in our area, we're close yeah. to each other. Orange yeah. County, just to go four exits now, oh it's getting LA traffic. Yes. It can take you 30 minutes to go from Irvine to the airport, yeah. like LA. Um, and it's it's ridiculous. But if you could kind of, if you're younger, uh, or maybe they have some facilities for someone who has a, a, you know one kid, and you could live really close to work, and then basically on site for the shopping and then the food, yeah. you could have a pretty nice life there. And when you want to get out for the weekend, you rent a car if you don't have a car. Exactly right. And you just go and say, I want to go to Big Bear. We're going to rent a car yeah, for the Yeah, because weekend. if you think about the amount of money you're paying just to park the car for one thing, Everything. you insurance, know, park. insurance, gas, repairs, all that. It. It's not worth it. Uh, you know, payment. Yeah you, yeah, you rent to go away on the weekends and yeah. then you have a nice kind of, yeah. and we're starting to see this urbanization of the suburbs more yeah. uh, in our area in, in, in Southern California yeah. and Irvine. We're seeing it. There is a... Um, in Elisa Viejo, there's a, a retail the, the development they've kind of put on hold now with the mall. Uh, uh -huh. I think trying to redesign their their mix because uh -huh. the market's been changing, and I think yeah. now they're going to add more of a residential element to it, mm -hmm. uh, which they should. So yeah. I mean, I think it, that'll really help restaurants, you know, because if you live there, sure you're going to cook at home, but when you want to go out, it's very easy to meet a friend and say, right. yeah, let's meet at the restaurant right, right. down. And if you want, we can go back, you yeah. know to my place of your friends and say, right. hey, you know, let's have a drink or meet at my place and we'll go walk down and go have yes. dinner. Yeah. You know? So I think it's interesting to see how this is changing. I know. It is very interesting because, uh, again, you know, a lot of, well, Phoenix on Suites, you know, the malls always wanted restaurants, but now the malls do want service-type tenants, yeah. grocery stores, fitness, you know, service-type tenants. Right. Because that is going to bring those customers in to have that whole experience. Right. What, uh, what's been your take so far at ICSC here? Um, uh, sentiment, attitude versus last year? Is it still upbeat? Is it, or is it, it's it's still upbeat, but there's a little bit of hesitation, yeah. I'll have to say. A little bit of hesitation. I think that um, it doesn't seem quite as crowded as it has I, I the past the same few years. Thing too. Seems a little bit on the lighter side. I noticed it, yeah, it seemed not as, not yeah. as uh, boisterous as last year or the year before. Yeah. 
but I but I do think everybody's still very positive. But I have to tell you, in California, we just need more developments going. I mean, we're just out of yeah. product. And that has been the difficulty, you know, they don't have anything more to lease. You know, I've got clients yeah. that want to get into spaces. Well, I think and there's a lot that. of that has to do with the cities. It's you the know. cities. And I think a lot of uh, th there needs to be a lot of changing at the city political level and rezoning. Yes. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, like they just didn't pass that California law that was supposed to go through, which it was supposed to be which, on is, a vote. which is horrible. Uh, yes. And this was uh, for more high density. Uh, built around transportation hubs, exactly which is, right. I, I just say it's the dumbest thing that they're doing. Because I, it was supposed to go to a vote. I, know, I don't know why it got killed before yeah. it even went to a vote. I mean, if you look at Asia and Europe, that, they do it really well. Yeah. Mixed use, multi-level density around urban, around transportation hubs. We need it in this country. Um, and also the model of like single family homes. Right. Like, we already have affordable housing crisis, so yeah. maybe we should think about ways to build smarter on the land we have instead of just more big single-family homes. Right, People I know. People are leaving the country. Exactly. Why, why don't we look at different elements where smaller lots and multi-levels right. and families can live in a three-level vertically right. versus these huge right. you know, single-family lots well, they're talking about the population in California doubling. Yeah. You know, where are those people going to go? They're going to have to go inland for yeah, sure. Right. But yes, exactly to your point. So they I think it, a lot has to be zoning, and also a lot has to be. Um, uh, this was the quote from Marcus Milichap, one of the guys too. Was like he said, "We're not over retailed; we're just under demolished." Yes. Which is kind of true. You know, <laughs> we did true. get over retailed in the last 10, 15 years, but we are under demolished. Yeah. I yeah. drive by a lot of stuff on a daily basis and go, if yeah. there's no historical element to this, yeah. it, the product's 40, 50 years yeah. old, get rid of it. Yeah. Well, the, Repurpose I it. will have Reuse to say it. your neighborhood grocery store is, is what's going to really be suffering, I think, because you, you need to be reinventing yourself. Yeah. You're in shopping center. To, to keep current, you really yeah. do. Yeah. Well, you know, so it's funny. I thought, like, why don't they create some place? You know how they always, you know, have the, the, the pop-up uh, markets on, on farmers markets. Farmers markets. Which they yes. say are actually getting hurt. Oh. Some are doing well, but some are getting hurt because they're almost too competitive. There's too many yeah, of them. Yeah, there's too many of them. Um, yeah. And, and it's getting harder with a lot of things. But yeah. Why not integrate one of those yeah. into your mall? Right. That's permanent. Yes. Because that's Europe. I, it I is. told you, I was right. just south of France yes. for the conference. Yes, I was in Italy. And you, yes. in Italy, and you yeah. walk down the street and all the vendors are yes. there. Now, some of them are hurting too, unfortunately, because people are doing stuff online. But you go to the butcher and then right. the, you know, the person the who's selling the, the fish, fish market. And, yes. and that is experiential. If I yes. could go down to my grocery and, and they would have a permanent fixture yeah. there. Um, yeah. With then maybe chefs coming in and, and sampling. Right. And, I mean, that's the best thing is when you can go walk around and sample. Right. And then chefs, maybe they could do a pop-up where, you know, each one of these locations brings in a chef to mix their products. Right. Right? Yes, So you could correct. take the person who makes the fish with the one who makes the vegetables and some yeah. guys sell pasta. And then you could have a chef right. bring all the elements of those right. three vendors. Yeah. You know, and you never know. I think yeah. that's where creativity comes from. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, that's great. It, look, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank it's you, obviously Anthony. an interesting time right now. You're yeah, it a very, is very interesting, very interesting time. space, uh, especially with focusing on restaurants. And, yeah, um, I wish you success with getting more of the nail salons out. <laughs> uh, it sounds obviously like a very good area to be in. Yes. And, uh, and just obviously, yeah. it's great. So I look forward to following what you're doing and, and uh, hopefully see you at next ICSC. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you.